Welcome to the Juniper and Journey podcast with Kaziah Ritter and Lindsay Heslop. We're so thrilled you're here. This is a podcast dedicated to celebrating the strength and stories of women, good, bad, ugly, and beautiful in their own words. We believe in the power of real conversations, honest confessions, and playful nostalgia. You'll get to hear all kinds of perspectives from all kinds of women about all kinds of things. We'll talk about life and motherhood and loss and faith. We'll reminisce about the good old days, first loves, and old flames. This is going to be fun. Things might get a little rowdy, but we can guarantee it will be meaningful. We hope each woman's story inspires you towards empathy, compassion, and healing. Okay, let's get started. All right, so today we are hanging out with my friend Shannon. Uh, one of my best friends, Caitlin, actually lived in Shannon's basement for a while. Five years. Yeah, Caitlin <laughs> lived there for a while. So she was like, you know, our big sister. Oh, I love that. And it was so much fun. Like, thanks for putting up with us so, all those so years. Fun. If I think about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, you poor thing. We just like invaded no, your house best. too. <laughs> I have this. Um, so yeah, so welcome, Thank Shannon. You. I'm Thank glad you you're here. Um, I have this whole, I have a few memories at your house, but one of them is so funny to me. So this one morning, I can't, I don't know if we spent the night or if we just came over in the morning, but we all made smoothies, Wendy and Caitlin and I made (laughs) smoothies. And then we, it was, must've been like a Saturday morning. So we were like, we're going to go and check out different garage sales in the neighborhood. So we went down the street, we were on your street and went to this garage sale, you know, peak hour, right? Saturday morning, (laughs) eerie garage sale. Bright and early. We have our smoothies. We're ready to go. We go to this garage sale. We get, their driveway's kind of sloped, right? And it's full of all this good stuff. We're at the top of the driveway, close to the garage. And I set down my smoothie to look through something, like look through a box of something or whatever. And I somehow knock that smoothie over. (laughs) And so picture this smoothie, like bright purple smoothie running slowly down their driveway. With all of their belongings. Yes, with all these people. And think of trying to like scoop smoothie off of (laughs) cement. Nope. It's not a thing. (laughs) And I was mortified Mortified. and was like, but there was nothing I could do. Like, clean up an aisle. Yeah, smoothie everywhere. And we were just like, bye. Left. Yes. Oh my I just like got my cup and like tried to scoop some of it in the cup, but it was already running down the driveway, and it was just like this big purple smoothie mess right in the middle of their garage sale. And I was like. So embarrassed. Yeah, it's hilarious. But so I'm glad you moved out of that neighborhood. If they knew associated with you, I ruined their whole day. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, it's pretty funny. So Shannon, you can give us a brief little intro. Married kiddos, we want to know. Yeah. All right. Married uh, 16 years this month. No, last month. Congratulations. Um, Thanks. Yeah. Feel old. 
Uh, <laughs> turned 40 this year. It's a good one. Happy birthday. Thanks. Um, I have an almost 12-year-old daughter and a nine-year-old son. Yeah. Yeah. So. They're the best. That's really fun. <laughs> and what do you do for work? I am a middle school special ed para. So I help the kiddos who are struggling with their math work usually, which is a little hard because I struggle with math myself. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we keep it fun. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So something that we are asking everyone that's joining us for the podcast uh, we have a couple of questions that we're asking everyone. So that first question is, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Mm, my kids. Literally, they're like, get me out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> like pulling on them. Pulling on Come them. on, mom. Sheets. It doesn't, it doesn't stop, apparently. Maybe when they're teenagers. Um, no, but seriously, I would, um, I would say my kids. Uh, they are such a joy. You know, as challenging as being a mom can be, it is also my greatest joy, and that is my kids and coffee, so it gets me out of bed. It's a good combo. <laughs> um, so the kind of you know opposite or the other side of that coin, I guess, the last question is, um, what keeps you up at night? Mm, that is a great question. Um, conflict. I think mostly conflict with friends. Um, am I doing this whole parenting thing right? Have I, have I completely, am I completely messing up my kids? <laughs> um, I think those would probably be the two big things that have weighed most heavily on if I, if I can sleep. So mm. yeah, maybe it's all worth it, but you know, it's hard. Yeah. Being a mama is no joke. <laughs> well, you're a good mama. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk about something coming up here soon is the four-year anniversary of probably the scariest, worst day of your life. 100%. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about that day. Sure. Um, can you tell us, let's start at be, leading up to that day. Sure. Um, yeah, it'll be four years, November 17th. Um, I was, gosh, let's see, Liam was in half-day kindergarten. Haley was in second grade. And at that point, life looked like, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom, dropping my kids off at school, usually run to the rec center, have a quick workout, drink some coffee, and have to kinder. You know, it's like three hours. It's not a, not a lot <laughs> right. of time. So um, pick Liam up. We'd go run errands, watch some cartoons. I love to take a nap. So I would take a nap. He'd watch cartoons. Love it. Um and making dinner, you know, that was kind of, it was pretty routine and go pick up Haley from school. We go to dance lessons. Liam had soccer, like, you know, doing all the, you know, basic stay at home mom, just mom errands and yeah. chores and keeping life running in our yeah. household. Okay. So tell us about that day. Sure. Um, so it was, a, it was a regular day, went to school, dropped the kiddos off. Um, I remember going into the front office and talking to the secretary um, or the front desk lady and asking her, you know, some question about Liam or, you know, paperwork or something. And we were just chatting and, and giggling and stuff and um, left her and went to the ran over across the street to the rec center and I actually was on the phone. I was talking to my, my twin brother on the phone and just catching up on life and he's telling me about his girlfriend and... I am walking the track um, 
at the rec center, it's upstairs. So I'm walking the track upstairs and I just totally started making fun of myself. I'm like, Patrick, I am short of breath. Like I'm so out of shape. <laughs> um, and, and it finally got to the point where I was like, okay, I should probably get off. I'm like, I'm just so out of shape. I can't talk and walk at the same time. Hmm. And, uh, he made fun of me for sure. And, um, <laughs> and thinking like, all right, well, I'll just, you know, I'll grab a bar, eat something. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm having low blood sugar. So I did that and I walked down the stairs to the lower part of the rec center and just hopped on one of the stationary bikes. Cause that was kind of a thing. I like to sit on the stationary bike and watch friends. Yeah. Yes. Doesn't really the get best a whole kind lot of better than that. So <laughs> not, not hardcore over here. Um, <laughs> So I get on the bike for about 10 minutes and I'm, you know, letting the bar try and bring my blood sugar back to a normal place and it's nothing's happening. I'm starting to get pretty disoriented. The best way I can describe it is shaky, like you have low blood sugar, but also just um, not even brain fog, just really disoriented. So I remember getting off of the bike. I even wiped, made sure to wipe it down, you know, just very did all of it, right? <laughs> just like trying to remember, what do I do again? Right. And I go and I sit on the um, the wall or by the racquetball courts and just lean against the wall and take a minute and kind of, kind of figure out what's going on. And um, then I notice that my, I'm starting to have pain in my left jaw and then starting to have more pain coming down my left arm. So I immediately call my husband, Jason, I, here's what's going on. And his immediate reaction is, you need to call 911. And I was right. like, heck no. I mean, right? no, I'm not like, doing no. that. No medical drama. Thank you very much. I'm not getting in an ambulance. <laughs> no, exactly. So I was like, babe, I'll just call Heidi. Our friend Heidi happened to be upstairs at the rec center and she's a cardiac nurse. So I call Heidi and I'm like, hey, can you come downstairs real quick? So she runs down the stairs and, um, she sits with me and so she's listening to my, to my symptoms and it's, you know, it's progressing at this point. And she's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to take you to the emergency room. So I call a friend and have her ask if she can please go pick up Liam because it's almost time for kindergarten pickup. And I get up to start walking towards the front of the rec center and quickly realize that that's not going to happen. Um, I, it was just like my body stopped move. I just couldn't move anymore. I got to the couches and Heidi was, says, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and call 911. And I was like, oh, please don't call 911. <laughs> I was like, if you call them, at least like tell them to meet us outside on the front curb. <laughs> so you still were thinking, this is, it, I'm it's, fine. Right. This is fine. Like headed, I just. Yeah. But like still you weren't able to really walk out the door. No. And I was very disoriented. Um, apparently I kept repeating myself a lot and. I, the left jaw pain and the left arm pain were starting to get pretty intense. And I should tell you, I also had, um, it felt like, I tell people it feels like, it felt like when you're at like super high altitude, like you're on top of a 14er, a 14,000 foot mountain, and you start running and you have that burn of just the altitude and you're like, oh my gosh, I have a can't get any air. Um, that's what it felt like, mm-hmm. like right in my chest, upper in my, in my throat, um, just like a weird burning um, like I was at altitude. So that's all happening. Paramedics get there. And um, <laughs> the first thing I remember thinking was the the female paramedic walked up. And, and I remember thinking, oh, I've sold her something on Erie Buy and Sell. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
you. I know <laughs> Thank this lady. You, Facebook. <laughs> that <is amazing. laughs> That's great. So I was like, well, you know, we know each other. This is right. fine. Um, so she, you know, walks through her whole spiel of, you know, we're going to check your heart out, make sure you're okay. One of two things is going to happen. We're either going to check your heart and then we're going to, um, you know, slowly just get you into the ambulance and head to the hospital. Or we're going to check your heart and things are going to start moving really fast. And I need you to just do exactly what I tell you to do. And I was like, okay, totally out of, I'm totally out of it at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so sure enough, they do the EKG and everything started moving very fast. Um, it turns out I was having a, uh, I had a hundred percent blockage of my left anterior descending artery, also known as the Widowmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, oh so gosh. away we went in the ambulance and that was that was for sure this one of the scariest moments was because I remember thinking, oh my goodness, this is, I am an anxious person anyway, and I always fear leaving my kids when they're little without me. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in the ambulance and um, thinking, well, Lord, I guess my worst fear is going to come true. And um, and in that moment, it was actually really sweet. I just had such an overwhelming presence of of Jesus next to me, and that was um, w- just really, really powerful. Um, and I was really thankful because I was very, very scared at that moment mm-hmm. of leaving my kids. Um, get to the get to the hospital, and um, my symptoms have resolved. Hmm. The doctors are like, "This looks like something we call SCAD." And I'm like, what in the world is SCAD? Um, it stands for spontaneous coronary artery dissection. So they wait a minute or two, um, go back out in the hall to talk. And while they're out there, my blood pressure dropped to 50, no, yeah, 26 over 58 or something ridiculously low. Um, and everyone then freaked out and I don't remember a thing after that. I was rushed off to the cath lab. Um, and sure enough, my artery had, my left anterior descending artery had spontaneously torn causing hundred percent blockage of my artery. So, um, with SCAD, they don't want to put a stent in there because they're afraid that that arteries putting metal in that artery is just going to cause it to shred even more. Hmm. Um, so I wake up, you know, a couple of hours later to my sister rubbing my feet and my husband standing over me. And I was like, what, what's happening? What is going on? I didn't, I didn't know what had happened. Um, I knew that I'd had a heart attack. I didn't know what caused it or there's a lot of fear. And, and I remember asking the doctors, are you sure I needed to come here? <laughs> Even still, you were like, did, still, we, did we really need this? Still doubting oh my myself. Gosh. Um, so I was about to, with SCAD, they just want to try and let that artery heal instead of putting something in it. Well, lucky for me, 48 hours after my first heart attack, I was about to be discharged and had a second heart attack. Oh um, my gosh. So it happened again. It was the same tear, but it didn't want to normally like, you know, like heals like a scab, like it just goes back in like the new tissue and the new cells start growing back over it. And, um... Mine did not want to cooperate. So back to the cath lab we go. Um, That was another, that was, I think, maybe the second worst part. Um, Scariest part was 
I am sitting with my mom and all of a sudden I realize I'm having another heart attack and the pain is coming and my twin brother gets there. And so they're just holding my hand and holding my head. And, um, these doctors start wheeling me out to go to the cath lab. And I just remember thinking, please don't take me down the hallway. My kids are in the alcove playing cards. Like, please Mm. stop. And they couldn't understand what I was saying. And I finally like got someone's attention and they realized my kids were like two doors down in the hallway. So they turn around and we went a different direction. And I was so thankful because I just did not want my kids um, to see me like that. They were already shaken up enough and as was I. And so um, I was thankful that they caught that quick. So I went back to the cath lab. They ended up, they did end up putting a stent in because my artery did not want to cooperate. Mm. So yeah, that's the story wow. of November 17th and 19th. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So when all this is happening and you're at the rec center and this is kind of going from zero to 60, <clears throat> can you tell us about Jason's experience a little bit, your husband? So how did he, because you had called him and said, yikes, I'm not feeling well. And he said, Call Call 911. (laughs) But then you just hung up and you were like, no, No, I'm I'm going to call Heidi. So kind of walk us through just because I'm curious. He hung up the phone with you. And then at what point did he hear from somebody? That is a great question. So he was actually supposed to be driving that morning to Wyoming to go out of town for a few days. Last minute in the morning, he ended up driving to Broomfield to drop off some equipment to another customer. So when I called him, he was still in Broomfield. He was about 15 minutes away. And so after I hung up with him and they called the paramedics, my friend Jenna um, and my my, and Heidi, who had called 911, uh, were both with me. And so they called Jason and said, hey, we're here still. So he beelined it over to the rec center, got there like right as the paramedics were getting there. So thankfully he... He was he was there with us when the paramedics were checking me out and doing the EKG, and um, he was standing with Heidi, who was watching the paramedics do the EKG. And I remember looking up and seeing Heidi's face when the papers came out, and she just started bawling because, of course, she's a cardiac nurse and she knows exactly what's going on. Wow! So, um, and normally they don't let your spouse come in the ambulance with you, at least in the back because there wasn't room. Um. But he was so shaken up and so upset that they they had initially told him, just follow us in the ambulance, and then realized very quickly that Jason was not in a place for mm-hmm. that. So they just had him jump up into the front seat of the ambulance. So mm-hmm. he came with us, which I didn't know until we got there, which was great. Wow. Can you pinpoint the moment? And maybe it was, it was too disorienting where you really could internalize or even have the thought, like, could this be a heart attack? Like, do you remember that first time that that thought crossed your mind or was it all just happening too fast? That's a great question. I would say at the beginning and before the paramedics did the EKG, I was still very much in of like, the, I, the, I, this, it's fine. <laughs> um, I, it was interesting though, because I'm a person who has had anxiety and I've had panic attacks before, um, I remember thinking very clearly this is not a panic attack. Oh, interesting. But I was very calm and was like, no, I, I know this isn't a panic attack. Um, whereas, you know, so many times women 
women don't take themselves seriously because they think, oh, it's just an anxiety attack or, you know, the symptoms are very similar. Um, The point that I realized things that I needed to stop making jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Coping skills. (laughs) I have that one too. Uh Um, Paramedics are like, no, no. This is serious. Shannon, look at me. (laughs) Yes. The moment I realized was when they – when they, Megan, the paramedic had told me, hey, things are going to start moving really fast if this is serious. And once they, like, they they were not kidding. Things moved very fast. Um, And that's when that fear set in and the realization that something big was going on. And I think being in the ambulance, um, they're giving me, you know, I haven't, they've got an IV in me already. They're giving me a ton of medication. Um, that was the moment of fear when I realized, oh, this is not good. And this is my worst nightmare mm-hmm. coming to fruition. Right. So you mentioned in that moment being in the ambulance and feeling like I'm living my nightmare. Um, you had already had faith at this point. You mentioned, you know, Lord, was that, was that a new prayer or you, you, I guess, I I mean, in crisis, it feels like that's our cry is God uh, help, help. Yeah. (laughs) But did you already have faith or is that something that's kind of sparked because you were in this moment of just total paralyzing fear? Yeah. No, I, um, I've been walking in my faith for several years at that point, um, Looking back on it, it's, it continues to be so sweet because I was in a phase of life where you you know we have little young kids. I am not feeding my faith. I'm not really praying. I'm not really reading scripture. Um, do I still love Jesus? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't doing you know the Christian things that I used to do, quiet times, all these things. And I, and I remember looking back on that moment and being so thankful for the sweetness of Jesus. And even like in my moment of crisis, he was like, it's okay. I'm right, I'm right here. I'm not gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that he was like, I know this, this is your greatest fear and I'm with you. And just made it so abundantly clear. Um, I remember thinking and feeling so grateful, not only for for his comfort in that moment, but also going, I, I am not like your good quiet time Christian who's reading my scripture all the time and praying all the time. And, and yet he was like, that doesn't matter. I just yeah. love you. I just right. love you because you're mine. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I don't know if I can ask this without crying. I'm curious. So, so Jason is riding in the ambulance with you. You get to the hospital. Um, I'm curious. So it's em- emotional to hear you talk about that moment when you're anticipating your kids seeing you mm-hmm. and um, who, who winds up telling your kids Mom's not okay. You know, is from what I can remember, um, Jason had ended up calling the school 
in talking to the front desk lady who I, you know, an hour before been joking with, um, and said, Shannon's had a heart attack. And she says, no, she didn't. I was just with her. (laughs) He's like, no, no, we're at the hospital. Her sister's going to come pick up the kids. So my sister drove up from Highlands Ranch and grabbed my kids from school. Um, and all she had told them was that, that mom, something had happened and mom was in the hospital. Um, I was in ICU, so they were not allowed to come in. So we ended up FaceTiming. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't think we told either of them until a day or two later when they were, I got moved to just a cardiac floor, um, that I had had a heart attack. You know, Liam is five and a half, six. He doesn't really understand what's happening, but he just climbed into bed and was crying. And um, he was really, he was scared. Haley was a second grader. She was eight. Um, And she has dealt with it very differently. She understood what happened, but she couldn't process it then. Um, Mm -hmm. She just sat against the wall and played with her cousins. I remember thinking, like, this is very uncharacteristic of Haley. Um, And I realized a few days later that she just, it was too much. It was Mm -hmm. too much for an eight-year-old to... Um, to be able to mentally process and emotionally process. And quite honestly, she's almost, she'll be 12 on Saturday and she is still struggles with it. Um, she struggles with being away from me. She's, she's terrified whenever she hears an ambulance. Um, and she's done lots of counseling and we reassure her, but she's still, I feel like she's still picking up the pieces of, of that day and of that time in our lives. So um, yeah. For you, I mean, obviously this has marked your life in a profound way. Um, do you have, do you share her fear of when I'm away from my kids? What's that like now for you? Or like you said, to, to experience anxiety, to experience a panic attack is the first thought now, oh my gosh, you know, is it more serious? What's that like for you to live in now? It sucks. <laughs> I'm yeah. totally yeah. honest with you. Um, I still get a lot of chest pain. Um, I was actually just in the hospital for a few days this summer um, because I my heart was not um, behaving itself. Um, I when I have the chest pain, I, it does, that doesn't scare me, which is funny. You think that would be the thing that would freak me out. Um, I think because I didn't have intense chest pain during my heart attacks, it's more just annoying. Um, but yes, my life now is, uh, unfortunately, it is a constant reminder that um, life is very fragile. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways, I, you know, my good days, I can take that and go, yeah, I got to live. Like I want to, I want to go do stuff. I got to, I got to live my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are other days where I just don't have the, the energy to fight those thoughts, um, and the beliefs that in the, in the understanding that I'm not, I'm not give I'm not promised tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, I live in a pretty good amount of fear on a daily basis of, um, of having another heart attack 
I'm not quite sure how to get past that at this point. <laughs> I'm sure I will eventually, but I'm like, gosh darn it, it's been four years. <laughs> um, so I did start a, about a year after um, I started a SCAD support group at Good Samaritan um, Hospital, which has been really helpful. Wow, yeah. Um, to get together with other survivors. Uh, we're the only support group in Colorado. So we get people from Fort Collins wow. and Parker and Conifer. And um, that has been really helpful to sit with them and go like, hey, like this has been my physical experience. Are you still having this? This has been my emotional journey. Have you had this? And kind of just hearing each other and going like, yeah, mm, yep, right there. <laughs> you go like, okay, it's not just me. Mm-hmm. I'm not the only one. So that has been really helpful in my healing journey. So, wow. So I'm curious. So you had the second heart attack, you know, a couple days later. And at that point, how long were you in the hospital after that? Um, I was there for three more days. So a total of five days. Okay. So heart attack number one was a Thursday. Heart attack number two was a Saturday, Saturday morning. I came home, I think Monday or Tuesday. What was that like coming home? scary. Yeah. It was really scary. I found a lot of comfort with being in the hospital right. and having people somebody will, monitoring yes. me at all times. I had a, a heart monitor on at all times. Um, I was just, it was all such a shock and so new. And so the idea of going home was on one hand to go like, yes, get me out of this hospital. <laughs> on the other hand, I was terrified um, because like the absolute unthinkable had just exploded my life and why, what's going to stop it from happening again. Mm -hmm. So I loved the comfort of having people watching me all the time. So, and I think it was very scary for, for Jason and for the kids, um, to go like, we have to take care of this lady. (laughs) (laughs) This lady. I did a lot of, um, did a lot of sleeping those first probably three weeks after the hospital. I was just worn out in my heart muscle. The um, lower right side of my heart had been damaged to the point that it was no longer moving. So I'd, I had some pretty decent heart damage. Well, and I would think too there's an element, because I remember when I found out that this happened in those days. Um, and I remember going, wait, a heart attack? Shannon is a young, healthy young right. woman. She, How would she have a heart attack? So talk to me a little bit about SCAD and what that is, how it's different than, you know, heart disease or anything like that. Um, just because I'm curious how yeah. it's different. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is very different. Thank you for asking that, actually. Um, so... Heart disease. When you hear about a heart attack, normally heart disease, it's right. from a buildup of plaque in your arteries, atherosclerosis. Um, it's from uh, high blood pressure. It's from you know poor diet, uh, obesity. You know all the things that you would mostly think of when you think heart attack. Right. Um, a SCAD heart attack is the average age is forty two year old. of the cases are women. So it's typically 42-year-olds, healthy females who work out, eat super healthy, um, 
yeah, are athletic, take really good care of their bodies. Well, yeah, you were literally at the rec at center. At the rec center. Yes. You're not. <laughs> Which was part of your normal routine. This wasn't yeah, yeah. like. This no. Was and like, no, no wonder you're sitting there going. I'm fine. Guys, I need a granola bar. Right. <laughs> oh, I joke with people all the time. I'm like, well, shoot, if I was going to have a heart attack anyway, I should have been eating cheeseburgers this <laughs> whole time. Gosh. So, um, yeah. So they they think there is. I'm part of the Mayo Clinic SCAD study group. They're studying oh, wow. us, which is yeah. great. Um, they're trying because they just they don't know. Nobody knows what particularly causes SCAD. They believe that in the you know about two percent of cases that are men, it's from doing super intense exercise like CrossFit, but like even like more intense CrossFit than you would normally think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're causing their arteries to tear. Um. For someone like me, they are thinking, and for for females in general, they're thinking it's more hormone-related. So a lot of times they see cases in women who are postpartum. So Mm. like the first six weeks after having a baby, um, SCAD is a thing, Um, which I, of course, I had no idea any of this. I didn't even know this SCAD existed. Yeah, I didn't either until this happened with you. Yeah. Yeah. so, but I mean, I, I did not fall into the CrossFit category. I don't fall into the having just had a baby category. Um, so they think that there's something that goes on with hormone fluctuations with women this age and they're, they're doing a lot of research. Wow. So, yeah. I'm curious just in your healing after all of this. So obviously physically healing, resting, go into your appointments, that kind of thing. But you talk about this anxiety, I mean, that you even had before this. Um, how did you meet that, the new anxiety, the new, I mean, gosh, just being terrified of daily life in a way and being betrayed by your own body. Mm. So emotionally, I want to know the bad part of that too. Just how did you decide that that was also something you needed to figure out healing for? Yeah, that is a great question. Um, you know, I think a lot of a lot of what has motivated my emotional journey through all of this is my kids mm-hmm. and wanting to wanting to still be the same strong mom that I felt like I had been before. Um, so that was a big motivator for me was to not only physically heal, but to find some emotional healing. And, and a lot of that has looked like, honestly, retelling my story is very therapeutic for me. Um, it kind of forces me to go back and, and feel some things that are not comfortable, but that's the only way we can get through the emotion is, when you get past those big feelings is to, to, to allow yourself to go through them mm-hmm. and to feel it and come out on the other side and go, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I am still here and I'm, I am okay. And I can face, I can face the scary thoughts and the scary feelings. Um, so I've started having to use these new muscles, um, that of speaking truth to myself uh, on a daily basis because I can 
be walking up the stairs and all of a sudden I don't feel good. Um, and it sends me back to a place of fear and is this it? And, um, just having to do a lot of speaking truth to myself and getting to know my body really, really well. Mm. I always felt like I was one of those people that knew my body well. And then this happened and it has made a whole new level of knowing, knowing myself, knowing my physical body, knowing, um, knowing that when I allow my thoughts to take over, they can go down dark rabbit holes of, of fear and anxiety. And, um, it just spirals me out and takes me nowhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's been a lot of my healing process too emotionally is to take back control of my thoughts and, and remember that I am okay. Mm -hmm. I'm still here. Yeah. It's probably interesting too, because it's like this switched in this really intense way where you're literally sitting there actively having a heart attack and you're going, no, no, I just need a granola bar. (laughs) And now what this has done is probably in a moment where you're like, yeah, I do just need some almonds or whatever. (laughs) Now you, your thought is, oh my gosh, is it this Yes. Horrible thing. Yes. And that's where I had to you had it's to be. bring it back down to earth like, okay, I did not take this seriously at all when it was actually happening. <laughs> <laughs> and and made jokes and didn't want people to call an ambulance. And now I'm on this other side of going, Oh my gosh, this is it. It's the end. Going, no, no, no. I really do just have low blood sugar right now. Right. It's all gonna be okay. You yes. mentioned that piece of like why what is that about specifically, especially because SCAD does show up most often in women, that we don't listen to our bodies or we we right. don't actually know ourselves that well. Like what why? Why is I that? I think we I think we as women are caretakers and we just fixing everyone else around us and like, I got this. I'm good. Also, please, I don't want to be in the center of attention. That's my personality at least. Well, and yeah, probably being in a public place added a weird element to that, I'm sure, yeah. (laughs) To have all these people who I interact with on a daily basis because I go to the rec center and I socialize and chat it up with people and then to go like, wow, I find myself in this such a vulnerable position and I don't want eyes on me. And I don't, I don't want, don't, it's don't worry. Don't worry about me. I'm okay. Let me take care of you. It's kind of my, like, you know, that was kind of the go-to then. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious in this piece of you healing and kind of working through this, did you ever do any counseling? I did. I did do um, a fair amount of counseling and Jason and I would go together sometimes Mm. because he, um, he still struggles. Um, he still gets really afraid. Yeah, I mean, he had his own trauma that day, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. And he's it's it's been a different journey for him. It's been a little bit slower, um, but I think he's even more and more. Um, even this summer, in the midst of COVID and everything, he's had to really face a lot of a lot of the stuff that was brought up with the heart attacks. I'm curious because November seventeenth is coming up, and it's close. Do you mark that day? I don't, is there a certain ritual? Do you not celebrate, but I guess kind of honor it? Does, yeah, that yeah. the anniversary specifically the seventeenth. Does what does that day look like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I um I do I do honor that day um, because it was a profound day that has very significantly changed 
um, my life and my family's life. And so the first, the first anniversary, um, a group of sweet friends, um, we all went out to dinner and just celebrated, celebrated that day. Um, and on that day, every year, so for the last three years, I have, um, just taken a day by myself. And usually I go to the rec center Mm -hmm. and I sit on one of the couches and just allow myself to remember and to remember what that felt like emotionally and what that felt like, what, how, how things have changed since then and, and, and how that has changed me as a person and, um, and even changed my faith and just the way that his, I mean, has very much changed the way that I see the world and life. And so I allow myself a day or, you know, not a whole day, but usually a couple of hours at the rec center to just journal and think through the weight of the weight of November 17th. Um, this year it feels especially funny to, as we're coming up on it, because, um, my heart attack was almost four years ago. So it was, um, the last presidential election. So it's kind of a funny flow of presidential (laughs) elections and heart attack anniversaries. (laughs) So, uh, so it's always a little bit of a, a little bit of a reminder. So yes. And we usually take Jason and I will take the paramedics, um, that were there that day. We usually take them donuts. So that's really fun. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) My faith has been a big piece of the healing and, um, just heavily relying on, you know, God loves me and I am his and in that moment of my worst fear happening, he brought me so much comfort. Um, and so to go, you know what, we're all gonna leave this earth at some point. And in that moment in the, in the ambulance with the Lord, my takeaway was, and it's peaceful and he's with us. And, um, I don't have to be afraid of that. Mm-hmm. No, it does not stop me from being afraid of that. <laughs> I definitely, if I can, but if I can quiet my brain and quiet the anxiety, I can get back to that place. It just takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So, thank you so much, Shannon, for coming and sharing this story with us. And yeah, thank you for reliving it a little bit for us and letting into those parts that are scary and big. Um, it means a lot to us. So yeah. Thank yeah. you. Well, thank you for having me again. It's like. It is very helpful and therapeutic for me to get to talk about it. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Juniper and Journey podcast. If you heard something that resonated with you or that you have questions about, we would love to hear from you. Follow us on Instagram at Juniper and Journey and slide into our DMs. It would be our treat and total privilege to chat with you. We all have a story. If you'd be interested in sharing yours here on the podcast, please reach out. Bye for now. Cheers.